Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for, uh, first of all, your love for us. You loved us first, and that's why we can turn around and love others. Father, I pray that you would help us to do that. But Lord, first of all, we need to acknowledge and believe and trust that you do love us and that no matter what is going on in our lives, whether we understand it or not, whether it's brief or it goes on and on, help us to become people that are convinced you love us through it all. And that you have a good plan, a good purpose. For Father, if we can't believe that you love us, how can we love others? So Lord, guide us as we uh, continue this series. As we are reminded of how you change everything. Every situation because of your presence. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we ask that. Amen. Uh, if you would take your Bibles and turn to uh, the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, but the last chapter of that book. So Genesis 50. And as you're turning there, let me uh, remind you that uh, we started last week a short series called But God. And we're looking at some of the places in Scripture where that little phrase appears, but God. And we're looking at uh, what comes after that phrase in those passages because it always teaches us something about God that's really important. And it's always something about God that changes everything. And so it's an important phrase. Last week, we saw the first example of a but-God principle. And that is that people look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. On Monday, I was standing in line at a gas station to pay for my gas. And there was a man in front of me at the counter. He was a short little elderly guy with a scruffy beard, very thin, dressed in clothes that looked rather old and tattered. And what he was doing was he was taking dollar bills out of his pockets, pants, shirt, coat, And he was laying them on the counter in front of the cashier. And he was trying to figure out how much money he had, which would determine how many lottery tickets he could buy. And I'm on my way to a dentist appointment. And I'm standing there. By the way, did you notice what I just described to you about the man? His personal appearance, right? 
And I was tempted to stand there and judge him. And I started to draw some conclusions about this man based on his outward appearance. And all of a sudden, I remembered what the pastor said last Sunday. I remembered the first but God principle. And I'm glad to report to you that I immediately began to pray for this man. I may never see him again. I know nothing about him except the outward appearance. But I prayed for his heart. I prayed that God who knew his heart and knew his situation would work in his life and reveal himself to this man. I'm so glad I listened to the preacher last Sunday. Today we're going to look at a second um, but God principle. And it comes out of Genesis 50. It's where it appears. His name was Joseph, not the Joseph and Mary, Joseph, but the Joseph of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. This Joseph was the son of Jacob, great-grandson of Abraham. And in Genesis 37 to 50, we have his story. And Joseph's story, we find out, has a but-God testimony to it. So before we read what Joseph says in chapter 50, let me remind you of the story, and then you can read it yourself, 37 through 50, sometime this week. Joseph was 17 years old. He was loved greatly by his father, Jacob. In fact, he was the favorite son which caused a problem. Um, Jacob's brothers hated him. They were very jealous. They wanted to get rid of their brother. And so one day they found the opportunity and they threw him in a pit. And along came some traders. And the brothers sold Joseph to the traders. He was trafficked. And these traders bring him to Egypt, and they sell him to a man named Potiphar, an official of the pharaoh in Egypt, sold twice. The Bible says God was with him. He found favor in Potiphar, his master's eyes, and he put him in charge of his whole Household, probably over other servants. Things were going well. But Potiphar had a wife who was attracted to Joseph, this young teenager. And she frequently would seduce him. And he would, over and over again, resist and reject her advances. Until one time she so strongly seduced him that he ran out. She had grabbed him. And as he ran out, he left his cloak in her hands. And I'm sure her pride was hurt, so she 
falsely accused him of being the one to come on to her. And so Joseph was put in prison. In Psalm 105, it says that his feet were in shackles and he had irons around his neck in prison. The scripture says God was with him there in prison. And he won the favor of the jailer. There was something about Joseph, this young man. And so he was put in charge of all the other prisoners. And then he met one of the prisoners who was a cupbearer for Pharaoh and found out over time that the cupbearer was going to be released from the prison. And so the cupbearer promised Joseph that when he is released, he will put in a word for Joseph. So it looks like Joseph is going to be released. But the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. And Joseph ended up in the prison two more years because he was forgotten. Promise hadn't been kept. But after two years, the cupbearer remembers. Some situations arise with Pharaoh and uh, the cupbearer remembers Joseph and puts in a word for him and Joseph is led out of prison and he helps out Pharaoh and uh, the scripture says God was with him and so he won the favor of Pharaoh. <clears throat> and... Uh, he ended up being second in charge in Egypt. He was put in charge of preparing for a famine that was coming. And so he led the nation of Egypt in preparing for this famine. Well, the famine came. The famine affected the whole known world around Egypt, including where Joseph's family lived. And they were being impacted by the famine. But because Joseph had led Egypt in storing up and preparing for the famine, people from all over the world came to Egypt to get help, to get food, including Joseph's brothers. They came to get food. Now, Joseph recognized them. But he was 30 years old now. It had been 13 years since his brothers sold him, they didn't recognize him. After kind of playing with them a little bit, he lets them know he's their brother Joseph. What a shock. But he shows kindness to them. And he has his entire family, including his father, come to Egypt. And he makes sure that they have food and that they survive. And he cares for them. Then Jacob's sons, after he died, start wondering what's Joseph going to do now. Maybe the only reason he wasn't getting even with us is because dad was here. But now that dad has died, maybe he's going to seek revenge. And that's where we come in chapter 50. <clears throat> so let me read, starting in verse 15. Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, 
Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. These are the instructions. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, pay attention now. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. Here it is. Mark it. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. In 13 years from the time he was first sold to the traders until he was 30 years old and his brothers came to get help. Joseph experienced all kinds of ups and downs. He experienced really bad things, struggles, suffering. And then something would happen, and it would be better, and there would be joy. And then something bad would happen, and there would be more suffering, false accusations, imprisonment. But then it would get better as he found favor with those in charge. And then it'd be down again. His whole 13 years from age 17 to 30 was just up and down. Struggles and joy, anxiety and peace. All because of what his brothers had done. And yet Joseph somehow came to understand during those 13 years our second but God principle. Let's look at it on your study sheet. The second but God principle. In this world, we will experience evil, suffering, and tribulation. But God works in all of these situations to bring about what fulfills his good purpose for those who love him. That's what Joseph came to understand. That's what he expresses to his brothers, right? You meant it for harm, for evil, what you did. What led to everything I experienced? But God intended it for good. He had a plan. And the plan has shown itself with the saving of the nation of Egypt, 
and of the nation of Israel. This but God principle worked out in Joseph's life. This principle sounds a lot like something Paul wrote in the New Testament, doesn't it? Romans 8, 28. You familiar with that? Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's think about how this principle worked out in Joseph's life. First of all, there were two constants I see in Joseph's entire experience over those 13 years. And you'll see them if you read the story. His experiences were going up and down. Good, bad, good, bad. Suffering, joy, suffering, joy. Peace, anxiety, peace, anxiety. His his 13 years were just nothing but up and down. Maybe you can relate. But as you read the story, there's two things that remain constant throughout those 13 years. The first one is... God's presence. If you read the text in Genesis, every time something bad happens to Joseph, the writer says, and the Lord was with Joseph. When you read it, you'll see that pattern. The writer keeps reminding us, and the Lord was with Joseph. In fact, over in the book of Acts, Stephen, if you remember him, before he gets stoned to death, gives a message to the Jewish people. And in that message, he kind of goes through the the history of the disobedience and rebellion of God's people. And here's what he says when he comes to the part about Joseph. In Acts 7, 9, he says, Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. And then Stephen says the same thing. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Stephen even mentions the but God principle. He says, but God was with him. And so that was a constant throughout all the ups and downs of of Joseph's experience, God's presence. But there's another thing that seems to be there all the way through, and that's Joseph's trust in that God and his presence. You, You really get that as you read through this story, that there's this measure of trust And this young man in God. And so despite everything going up and down, God's presence, constant. Joseph's trust in that presence and that God, constant. Another thing about this principle working out in Joseph's life is it involved different intentions. And Joseph mentions that, right, to his brothers. 
He understood that there are forces working in his situation during those years. He says to his brothers, you meant it for evil. Your intentions in what you did were to harm me. But God had intentions. God meant it for good to bring about his plan and purpose for his people. And so Joseph understood that, that in his experiences, there were these two intentions going on at the same time. One, evil, suffering, tribulation. Another, good, to bring about God's purposes. He understood that somehow, to be able to say that to his brothers. Also, as he experienced this principle, he obviously, over time, came to understand this principle. And the question I have, and I still have because I don't know, the text doesn't tell us, is when in that 13-year period did Joseph realize that God was doing something here? That there was a plan? That there was good? When did he realize that so that he could state this? In chapter 50, I was thinking one possibility might be when he eventually was put in charge of preparing for this famine. When Pharaoh made him second in authority. I wonder if it was during that time as Joseph is sitting there, he's thinking, wow. There must have been a plan here. This is good. I'm going to have a hand at saving the whole nation of Egypt from the famine. And maybe he sat there realizing, how did I get here? How did I get to the place where I have this privilege now? This opportunity to save the whole nation of Egypt in a time of famine. And I wonder if at that point he started thinking, God is in this. Maybe this is why God let all this happen. So that I would get into this position to save a nation. Or if, if the understanding didn't come there, maybe the understanding came when his brother showed up. That must have been quite a moment for Joseph when he sees his brothers show up to ask for food and they don't recognize him. Maybe it was there that the light came on and he thought, now I see what God was doing. Now I see the providence of God. I don't know if he knew that word, providence, but maybe that's when he said, now I understand why God let all that happen. He is turning something that my brothers did to me that was terrible 
into something good. And he's using me not only to save Egypt, but to save my own family, my own nation. And whether he knew it or not, we know it, to save the people through whom the Messiah would come. At some point, Joseph came to understand this. And when it comes to the providence of God, we all know that that often takes time. Thirteen years for Joseph to be able to eventually say to his brothers, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. He had a plan, and here it is. My people are being saved because I'm here. Despite all that I had to go through to get here. But it took time. We don't always see God's providence. We don't always see what he's doing behind the scenes. But somewhere along the line, we get to. And we look back, right? And we think, wow, that was terrible, but now I see how God was working. Now I see what he was doing. And the outcome is good. It's fulfilling his purpose. And so you end up, from Joseph's experience, with Romans 8.28 coming to pass. And the interesting thing is, friends, Joseph had never read Romans 8.28. Right? He's expressing the principle, the teaching of Romans 8.28 to his brothers. Right? But he had never read it. How did he know it? There must have been something in his relationship with God that caused him to come to this belief that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. Somewhere in his relationship with God, he came to believe that and understand it without the help of Romans 8, 28. And no matter what translation you use, Romans 8, 28 gives you the same message, doesn't it? The same principle. I just read it for you from the NIV, the New American Standard. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. New Living Translation, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. The Christian Standard Bible and King James, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. No matter how you read it, it's the same truth. It's the same principle. It's a but God principle. And Joseph understood it. And he believed it. 
and he spoke it to his brothers. Let me read it again. Our second but God principle. In this world, we will experience evil, suffering, and tribulation. But God works in all of these situations to bring about what fulfills his good purpose for those who love him. In all things. God doesn't necessarily take away those things. But in all things, in the midst of those things, he is working. And he is working to bring about something that is good that will fulfill his purpose in the life of those who love him and are the called that have been called to him. That promise, that principle is not for everybody. It's very clear in that verse, isn't it? For those who love him and are the called. Maybe you've watched some movies on TV like I have, and it's obviously somebody that's not following Jesus, but they go through a lot of trouble. And then one of their friends comes to them and says, just be patient. All things work together for good. Scripture says, for those who love him, and are the called according to his purpose. This is a wonderful principle and truth for the people of God, for the people who love him, and that he is called to his salvation. This is a truth, a principle, a promise that in all things, no matter what you're going through as a child of God, just like Joseph, in all things, God is working. To somehow, and a lot of times we can't figure out how that could happen. Sometimes we don't want to hear that verse, Romans 8.28. Don't say it to me. I know what that's like. I was in the hospital one time um, when a family member was dying and the chaplain quoted Romans 8.28 and I could have punched him. And I'm a pastor, and I believe that principle. But at that time, I didn't want to hear it. Sometimes we don't believe it could ever come about. But it's the truth. It's God's truth, and it's for those who love him. It's a promise. In all things, he's working. And he's working things together so that there will be an outcome that meets his good purpose for his people. Joseph came to understand that. Joseph believed it. In all that he experienced over 13 years, he trusted that apparently. And it happened. It happened. And so Joseph ended up having a but God testimony, didn't he? I wonder how many people he shared that testimony with before he died.
his but God testimony, sharing with them all he went through because of his brothers, because of a sex-hungry woman, because of a cupbearer who didn't keep his promise, all the things he went through. And after sharing that with someone, Joseph would say, but God. But God was working through it all. And I see it now. God was working. He had a plan. It was a good plan. And everything I went through brought me to a place where my people could be saved. He had a but God testimony. And this principle is for us as well. It's for us as well. In this world, you and I will experience evil. Things people will do to us that affect us. There will be suffering. Many of us have already suffered. Some are suffering now. And there's tribulation. Difficult things that just press on us. So tribulation means to press in on. And we experience that. All of us do. But this principle is true for us too. That in those things, God works to bring about what fulfills his good purpose for those who love him. So here are some application suggestions for you concerning this second but God principle. The first, I would encourage you to, you may not want to, but identify your tribulation experience. You might be going through something that fits either it's the result of some evil someone has done It's suffering or it's tribulation. But it's tough. It's bad. It's hard. And for you, it just started maybe. It's fresh. For others of you, it's been going on a long time. And it feels like it's never going to end. Never going to go away. Identify it. Identify what that is. Second, Grapple with, I realized this week, in 40-some years, it's the first time I've ever used grapple in a sermon. But grapple with the truth of Romans 8.28. What does grapple mean? It means to wrestle. It means to struggle. We talk about grappling hooks. It starts out with, some struggle and some wrestling to get it where you want it to be. But the grappling always has an outcome, and that is finally something grabs on, right? And attaches. And if you're going through something that's really hard right now, you need to grapple with the truth, wrestle with it, struggle if you have to, with the truth of Romans 8.28, with this principle this but God principle. Grapple with it until it grabs you. Grapple with it until you catch on 
and take hold of it. And then trust that principle and hang on to it. Because eventually, you will have a but God testimony. God is working. You can't see it. You don't know how he could be. You don't know how he could bring good out of whatever it is. You just don't know. It's hard to believe. But grapple with the truth and grab on to it. Attach yourself to it. Trust the truth of this principle. And I don't know how long it will take. Maybe till tomorrow. Maybe it'll be years. For Joseph, it was 13 years. But at some point, God will reveal to you what he's been doing and how he fulfilled his promise to you because you love him and you belong to him. You will have a but God testimony. Many of us already have but God testimonies, right? Whatever you're going through right now, be assured, you will. No matter what it looks like now, you will. <clears throat> I want to read for you a but God testimony as we wrap up. And I like this because it's about a Norwegian fisherman. A Norwegian fisherman and his two sons were out on their daily fishing run. By mid-afternoon, a sharp, brisk wind was whipping spraying water into their faces. As the wind increased, the waves grew gigantic. The little boat pitched back and forth as the three rowed desperately to get back to shore. The storm was so fierce back on shore that it washed out the light in the lighthouse, leaving the fishermen groping in the darkness. Meanwhile, back on shore, in their rustic cottage, where their wife and mother waited for them, a fire broke out. Unable to put it out, the woman watched from outside as the flames destroyed the home and all their earthly possessions. When the father and sons finally made it safely to shore, the mother was waiting for them with the tragic news. Yet even as she told her husband of the terrible fire that destroyed the home and all the possessions, he seemed strangely unmoved by the loss, as though he didn't care. Didn't you hear me, Carl, she asked? Our house is gone. Yes, I heard you, he said. But a few hours ago, the boys and I were lost at sea, fighting fierce wind and high waves. Our only guide to the shoreline was the lighthouse on the cliff, and then it went out. I was certain we would die. But then I noticed a dim yellow glow in the sky. We turned our boat and began to row toward the light. It grew brighter and brighter and we were able to follow it safely to the shore. You see, Ingrid, he said, that little yellow glow 
was the first sight of our house on fire. At the peak of the blaze, we could see the shoreline, brightest day. The same fire that destroyed our house created a light that saved our lives. We must thank the Lord. That Norwegian fisherman and his family have a but God testimony. There will be suffering. There will be evil. There will be tribulation. But God is at work in all of those times. And he's at work to make sure that his good purpose for you will be fulfilled. And when you come out the other side, you will have a but God testimony. Let's pray. Father, uh, this is good sounding stuff, but it doesn't always make it easier. And yet, God, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who find themselves right now in the middle of a time of suffering, a time of tribulation, a time of experiencing the ramifications of someone's evil. Father, if they belong to you, if they are your children who love you, they have a promise. You love them. You have a good purpose. And whether they can see it now, whether they believe it could ever happen, you are working. And someday they will be able to look back and see your footprints, your fingerprints, your providence as they experience the outcome of the promise you make in your word to them. That you will work to cause all things to come together for good to those who love you. Help them, Father, to rely on your constant presence. Help them to be as consistent as they can be in their trust in you and your promise. And may many glorify you when the day comes that they're able to share their but God testimony. In Jesus' name, amen.